Gus Wallen, gorgeous Gus Wallen. I'm a massive fan. As you see me find out in this interview, he grew up in Pimble, Wurunga and Hornsby. He's an Australian television and radio radio personality. And in 2009, he took up the role of co-host of Triple M's breakfast show in Sydney, where he brings a, a new, fresh approach to the classic breakfast, um, the breakfast show. Within two years, the Grill team doubled their ratings for this time slot and Gus was awarded Best On-Air Newcomer at the 2010 Australian Commercial Radio Awards. Gus is the presenter for a show called Man Up, a new kind of show principally funded by the Movember Foundation, which we're slap bang in the middle of, and made by ARS Films. It also acts as um, research. It's acting as research to potentially change future behaviour for men in our society. And I look forward to seeing what the research shows. There's an interview online uh, with Professor Jane Perkins who tells you a little bit about what research they're doing and how they're doing it and why they're doing it. But without further ado, let me um, play Gus Wallen's interview with me. You found to be the quintessential male trait, um, perhaps before making this series, so we can get an idea of how they've changed afterwards. Yeah, certainly. My thought, my thoughts, I suppose, with with men, um, certainly in Australia, I've spent quite a bit of time in England as well. Is that you know we're all sort of reasonably stoic and reasonably just want to get on with things, and you know there's a certain amount of stuff that gets thrown at you, and you've just got to deal with it and get on with it. And even though I was someone that wore my heart on my sleeve, most of my friends, and certainly a lot of the blokes I played sport with, and my son to a lesser degree, were men and boys that you know they very hard to know if there was anything wrong. Everything always seemed to be good. Everything seemed to be fine. Um, there wasn't a massive up and there wasn't a massive down. They were just sort of getting through life. And I suppose everyone's busy, so you just accept that and you understand that. And um, for me, this whole process has been learning about how good Aussie blokes in particular are at wearing a mask. And that mm. mask they put on as they jump in the car to go to work or walk to the train station or the bus stop or... However they get into their normal daily life, they just big sigh and they just get on with it and they put the mask on and they get through it. And then at some stage, you know, that mask has, has to come off and whether that means relationships fall apart at home or they haven't got a good relationship with their partner or their children, something has to give at some stage. And eventually, um, you know, the simple fact is that we're losing more than 2,300 beautiful Australian men between 15 and 45 every single year and the and the numbers are increasing and those numbers are increasing even though we have so much education out there so much knowledge out there if you google anything about um you know mental health it's all there with beautiful people ready to help you but the numbers are still going up so you know it's a very very sad thing it is and i i guess my question too is how did you not get sucked into that hardening and that mask what was the difference for you I, I think I had that mo- I think I had that moment myself to be honest with you Lucy I think there was a time sort of in and around my late 30s early 40s and my wife would back myself back me up where I was difficult to live with I think I was changing jobs I was changing the way that I was living my life I was I'd gone from a salesman to someone who was on telly and then onto the radio with Triple M and my life changed so much and I really struggled with that. You know, everything should have been so happy, everything should have been so awesome, but it just wasn't for whatever reason and that's the difficulty with mental health that 
is that if I break my arm, I get a cast put on and it gets better. With mental health, you know, you, half the time you're struggling as a man to work out, why am I sad? Why are things, why aren't I feeling fantastic? Because my life generally is pretty good. Um, and then, of course, you get yourself down and you get depressed because, you know, you don't quite know how these emotions are coming up. And then, of course, every stereotype in Australia tells you to man up and to be stoic and to get on with it. And we really love that in our sportsmen. We love that in most characters in TV shows and in movies and so forth. So we get sucked into thinking, well, that's how you become a successful man who deals with stuff in Australia. And we do that silently and we do that by ourselves. Um, and okay. for a period of time there, I did that. But I had a wife who didn't give up on me and she said to me, no, no, there's just something going on. You need to see somebody. And I suppose I was very happy to show vulnerability and I was happy to give myself over to a counsellor who really helped me and we connected together and she got a lot of crap out of me and it allowed me to get back to my normal self. But, you know, if you... During Man Up, I ask people about um, counsellors and they look at me as if, you know, well, that's for a mad person. Yeah. And that's for absolutely. someone who's loony. You know, the, the stereotypical Aussie man doesn't ask for help. We deal with stuff ourselves and um, mm. that's what we need to try to change. Yeah, we don't give enough credit to the to the psychologist being on a par or the counsellor being on a par as the doctor, that it's just a different part of the body, really, do we? Oh, 100%. Me- mental health, if we took that as us having a cold or... Um, having some sort of rash or, you know, we would we, that would make a massive change to our lives if we could just ex- understand that the head is just like a toe or a leg or an arm or an mm. elbow. It needs mm. as much help as possible. And if you've got a problem with a car, you take it to a mechanic. You've got a problem with your head, you've got to see a head doctor. You know, yeah. that, that, break it down as simply as that. So a quick question for you. Do you think that we champion what we have and what we do over and above championing who we are so that when the sportsman ends their role or the people change their jobs they wonder who they are and what they have to offer to the world oh, i think so for sure it's just it's, i mean it's, it's such a part and we when someone does something you know we give it so much love and so much attention that it just overblows the fact that you know it's not real life at the end of the day like a sportsman kicking a goal or scoring a hundred or whatever it might be it's awesome for that moment and we can love them or we can cherish them and so forth. But what about that actual person themselves? So many sportsmen who, once they finish their career, not all of them can go into media. So there's a lot of them out there that are really struggling with who they are and, and, and what they're going to do with their life moving forward. It's a very, very difficult thing. And I think that happens right through our society. We're so keen on talking ourselves up and talking how great everything is, where really we should be digging a little bit deeper and having much deeper conversations. And hopefully that would make you more rounded and much healthier person overall rather than us getting caught up with keeping up with the Joneses and all this BS that gets flown around. Yeah, so when we talk about role models and we champion role models, really, I mean, I'm really very sensitive to the fact that Jack, your son, has you as a role model because Mm -hmm. you're role modelling sensitivity and the ability to say, I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel upset but you're actually at least acknowledging that you're feeling something and finding a way to express that. Yeah, and, and thank you. And that brings a bit of a tear to my eye, you saying that, because it's such a, it's my most important role, bringing up my children, whether it's Jack or Ella and Abby, my daughters, who are very good at expressing themselves, actually. So mm. but it doesn't mean I can take my eyes off them. I've got to keep the focus going and let them know there's a open and honest conversation that can be had at any time. But, yeah, I mean, for Jack, I suppose... 
I just showed him very early on in our relationship that, you know, I am who I am and that means I wear my heart on my sleeve and I show lots of emotion. I, and I think that's a really good thing. And if I bottled up all my emotions, well, you know, I, I don't know quite what I do with myself. So I'm really glad that I'm sort of open to do that. I'm actually fine as you thought as I'm talking to you actually yeah. at the moment. But, uh, yeah, in terms of role models, um, you know, we, we build up the he's superhuman sportsmen or, um, you know, um, movie stars and TV stars and stuff. But, you know, of course, we, we're, we're bigging up them as a player or them as an actor or whatever. But them as a person, that's the most important thing. And, you know, role models have a really important role to play in terms of letting, you know, young Aussies know that, hey, you know, I might have kicked the goal and I was a hero at that moment, but I've gone through so much agony and pain and injuries and doubts and emotional things to get to that moment. So we see the whole package rather than just that finished article, if you like, you know. And um, the more people in the public eye um, showing our young Aussie blokes that it's okay to show emotion, the better. Yeah, so on that note, do you think that you as a, as a radio presenter, I mean, I know I've seen you do it as a TV presenter, as anyone who sees the, uh, the show this week will see, but as a radio presenter, do you think you've brought a different quality since discovering this, uh, this journey that you've been on in making this program, a different quality to the show? I'd like to think so. I really would. I mean, Matt, Maddie Johns and uh, Mark Guy, who are the other two blokes on the grill team, with me. I mean, I've always been sort of the, the more sensitive one, if you like. I've been the fan and I've been the one that, you know, is not in touch, not afraid at all to show emotion. But MG, who's six foot five and 120 kilos, who was a real <laughs> hard man of rugby league, I mean, when he talks about his kids and his wife, you know, he, he wells up and he talks in Man Up, the show, um, you know, about various topics with our listeners. And, you know, he talks with real heart and real emotion and but it took him a while to get there. You know, he had to be a certain person on the football field and people just thought that that was him. But, of course, the real person was the emotional one with five children and worrying about the next contract and being able to provide for his family and that type of stuff. Um, you know, he shows a real side of, uh, you know, a softer side to himself as well. And mm. I think Maddie, to a certain degree, does too. I mean, we speak to a lot of men on Triple M and we, we have a responsibility to talk to those men um, you know, with a lot of entertainment, that's what they're listening for. But when it comes to the crunch and really important stuff, then I think as a show we're very good at explaining that, um, you know, we have to understand what's fun and what's entertaining and then what's really important, which is obviously family, friends and making sure that we all look after ourselves. So the show's got a responsibility, but I think we do, as a general rule, do a good job of... Um, of getting that side of, of life out to realise that, you know, fun is fun and sport is sport, but when it comes to the crunch, it's family and, and looking after your health is the most important thing, and that's not just your cholesterol or your weight, it's, it's your mental health, which is, affects so many Aussie blokes in their sort of 20s, 30s and 40s. I mean, when you hear that stat, that 2,300 Aussie men take their own life every year and it's the number one killer for that age group, I mean, does that not just completely astound you? Like, when I heard that, that. I couldn't believe it, Lucy. Yeah, it astounded me, and I also picked up on um, the 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 piece about the fact that women might attempt it more, but they call for help. It's actually the fact yes. that men don't call for help; they don't engage um, at crucial moments. I mean, in the lead up, it would be so much simpler, but even in that crucial moment, they don't yeah. call for help. And yet, yeah, the, exactly. the 
the gentleman that you interviewed on the construction site who didn't fulfill, he didn't go through with it, um, mm. realized the impact that would have. And I think that what comes across and you pick up very well is the ripple effect of suicide on those left yeah. behind. Very sensitive. Absolutely. That gentleman you were talking about up on the Gold Coast, he runs a whole you know, pack of 500 men who are there every day and we, we know we lose more people in the construction industry than any other. Um, Steve, his name was, and he attempted suicide and when it didn't work, he woke up in the, in the hospital bed and he looked at his partner and his children and immediately knew what he had done and how much it had affected them and he spent the rest of the last four years trying to help other people never get into that situation. So you've got these absolute champions out there that were at such a low point and they've come through the other side and now they're literally on a mission to make sure that no one else goes there. They're the, they're the real heroes out there in Australia. You don't even know about them, but every day they're saving, they're saving lives. But we need as many people as possible to realise now that to show a bit of vulnerability and to show some emotion is actually a real sign of strength and not weakness. That's, yeah. that's the main point. And please do not be there sitting there thinking about things in silence. Get the conversation started with someone, whether it's your, your partner or your mate or someone at Lifeline, a complete stranger. Just let the pressure valve off a little bit and just start the conversation and that might help you um, work through some stuff and get you healthier again. That's fantastic. Look, thank you so much. I really so appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Lucy. It's lovely to talk to you. And I grew up uh, in Pimble, and I went to school in Warunga, and I no was in Warunga. So I know, you know, Hornsby and the bowling and the bowling guests oh. out there all the time, and the and the cinema and stuff before Chatswood was sort of big. That was our oh, way. So I know goodness. that area well. And um, thanks for all the work that you're doing. All righty, nice to talk to you, Lucy. Take care. Thank you again. See you Bye. Later. Bye-bye. Casey Chambers and True Colours um, following a beautiful theme set up by Gus Warland about the mask that we can wear that hides what's underneath. It reminds me of a conversation I had with someone who is a speech pathologist who worked with young people and talked to them about how they expressed and um, where they struggled to express. So young people with stutters who uh, chose not to talk at all, um, selective mutism, uh, all, all sorts of things that made them hold back. These young people were often, or children as they were then, were often described as naughty. Um, They were told that they had trouble concentrating, they would be silly, they would be fidgeting, they weren't good. Um, All things that described their behaviour, but the way it was worded to them, they felt it as a judgement on themselves. We don't think very much of it. We think, you know, children need to toughen up, but actually... Or the adults that are walking around um, a little wounded and injured, they they have these feelings and these beliefs about themselves running through their systems. They actually need to be told, you know, we all need to be told that inside us is a really beautiful, loving being. And, uh, and our behavior can sometimes not reflect that. Owen James is the author of Redeemable, a memoir of darkness and hope. Um, I'm just going to read you 
uh, from it because I think it's actually uh, really quite an interesting piece. It's, it's very short. If my father had asked me when I was six years old, what does it mean to be a man's son? I'd have smiled broadly and said, cowboy. I was never happier than when I was sitting on his knee watching westerns like Wagon Train and Rawhide on our tiny black and white TV. My father was cowboy mad and so was I. After I said my prayers for all the people I loved, my mother had to wait until I was in bed and fast asleep before she could gently relieve me of one of my beloved cowboy suits. Cowboys were real men. They were tough and they never cried. But when my mother was killed in a road crash less than a year later, I cried. My father had to be cut from the wreckage and, when he came home, I cried again. In place of my fun, funny, loving, playful dad was a grieving, selfish, violent drunk. He beat the women he lived with and he beat me. I loved him still, but learnt to hate him just as much. The care home I was sent to at 11 was full of boys like me. No aspiring train drivers or astronauts amongst us. We told each other that when we grew up, we'd be gangsters and crooks, no crying aloud. My teenage years were punctuated by spells in prison that lionised toughness and frowned on crybabies. Lifting weights and being hard was what counted and got respect. At 20, I should have been a man. Instead, like my father, I'd become a selfish, violent drunk. Self-loathing took me down a dark road, leaving in my wake immeasurable pain and grief. At the end of it, an old Bailey judge called me brutal, vicious and callous and jailed me for life. Two years in, a prison psychologist told me, we're all born lovable. I said, even me? She said, even you. Contrition almost destroyed me. For the first time in a long time, I cried again. I was desperate to be a man. I wasn't sure what that meant. In the end, I decided to try to just be a decent human being. Trying to be a man had been catastrophic. That's from Erwin James, the author of Redeemable, a memoir of darkness and hope. Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. So just before the break, I read you something by Erwin James from Redeemable, a memoir of darkness and hope. That can actually be found on the Guardian uh, book list. You might be able to find it on one of the other book lists as well, but it sounds like a, a pretty good book. 